Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. But right now, we're going to continue in our series on prayer. And uh, I heard last week was good. I didn't listen to it myself yet. Um, but, uh, you know, Amy, she can preach. She preaches okay. So I heard it was good. I'm going to listen to it this week. And um, so uh, I guess today you're going to find out how many ideas she stole from me. If there are any similarities, well, you'll know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, agreement, alignment, assignment. Title of the message today. When it comes to prayer, here are three filters that we all ought to pray through and put our thought through and our process through as we learn to become better prayers. How many of you know that we suck at praying? The Bible actually says, it says, you yourself don't even know what to pray. So the Holy Spirit has to come and pick you up and give you something to pray about from time to time. Because the truth is, we, always, we, we don't always know in and, our, in and of ourselves what we are to pray. But there are some things throughout Scripture that give us a great idea of how to pray. Maybe even how to become better prayers. It gives us an idea of how Jesus actually prayed. And of course, we're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer, which we have referenced. But before we're done today, I'm going to share another prayer of Jesus with you. And I hope that it will stick. But agreement, alignment, assignment. And these are established in the first few lines of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, put it up on the screen, Matthew 6, if you want to find it there, you can. Matthew 6, 9, and 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy is your name, set apart is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now probably right off the bat, you can start to see the, uh, the filter at work in those words that Jesus taught us to pray with. So he is the one who rules heaven and earth. And we need to have that understanding. We need to get it straight because uh, when, we, when we realize that he alone is the sole supreme authority over all that is, we kind of understand where we come to in the place of agreement a little bit better. And it's important to understand that because it's hard to agree with someone when you're on the same footing. You want to know what's harder to that? It's actually to agree with someone who's on totally different footing than you are. But that's exactly the nature of our relationship with God, is that we are on an entirely different footing than he is when it comes to who is right or who knows best or who should decide ultimately what should or shouldn't be done. And so we're kind of stuck in this reality, and so that's why Jesus teaches us how to pray the way he does. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So his name is set apart high above all else, as we were singing about, holy, holy, holy. Um, His kingdom and his will, his kingdom and his will are paramount in everything that we must purpose to do, and his purposes must be accomplished in the earth just like they are in heaven. That's what that prayer is initiating. That's what that prayer is asking to have happen. And so the first word today, the first filter we want to talk through is the filter of agreement. Now when you come to pray and when you find the Lord and when something's on your heart, how many of you can already guess that it's pretty important to come in agreement with the one who can answer your prayer? Right? Because oftentimes as it happens in my house, and I can only assume your house, children might come or spouse might come with a request, but they are not in agreement with you. How does that go for anybody? Anybody want to admit how that goes? My kids could tell you how that goes. It doesn't go their way. 
And we often get stuck right here because we come to the, the Father with our requests because the Scriptures invite us to come and make our requests known to God. And we should come and make our requests known to God. But here's a huge issue for us. If we don't come in agreement already with, with, with the supreme ruler of all that is, we're not going to find alignment and we're not going to find any assignment that we can walk through with regard to what we're even asking for. There are people right now who are praying for our prime minister, for instance, and some of them aren't praying really agreeable prayers. Now, I may or may not be one of those people. Can't really confirm or deny. Because, you know, you get to the place where you wonder, like, Lord, how long are you going to tolerate some of this stuff? And, and the Lord does have a limit to what he'll tolerate but listen, I need to come to him with my requests for our nation in agreement with what he says about our nation. And only when you and I come in agreement with the Father about what he says about our nation, only then will we begin to see what needs to unfold for the sake of our nation. Now, I'm just going to do a shameless plug against the national media today. And, and this is not a political statement about or against a political party. Rather, it is a statement, and I want to tell you this as your pastor, the media is lying about what's going on in our nation today. They are trying to blow things up. They are trying to inflame things. They are trying to make things appear different than they are. I have personal friends who are in Ottawa at the protest right now. People that I know personally. And I pay attention to what they say is going on. Why? Because I trust them. I think it's absolutely spectacular that there are prayer meetings being held around the city of Ottawa this morning. Don't you? I think that's insane. That's so exciting. And you know what? A lot of those prayers are probably going up from people who have no relationship with Jesus, but I don't care. I think that's exciting. Because when men and women begin to call on the name of the Lord, something miraculous will happen wherever they are. Come on. All right, so agreement is the important thing. The prayer Jesus taught is one that brings us into agreement with the reality of our relationship with God. And we need to come into agreement with him, not the other way around. Yeah, nobody wants to say amen to that one. We need to come into agreement with him. We do not pray so that he comes into agreement with us, right? God does not sit there in heaven, present everywhere, present with us right now, but we make our request to him, and Lord, I really would like for these things to happen, and he says, you know, child, I never really thought of it that way. You're totally right. God does not say that. He never has, and he never will. Why? Because he's God. He's supreme. So we need to understand the nature of agreement in our relationship with God. That is that we need to come in agreement with him, not the other way around. Now, I know, I know because I know people, and I've been doing this a long time, and I myself am a people. The truth is, guys, is we often come to God expecting him to come into agreement with us. And, and we, wonder, we wonder why prayer isn't as fulfilling as we hope it would be. First filter. Agreement. Come into agreement with our Father in heaven. It's his kingdom. It's his will, his purposes, his plans for our world. I, I, I find it interesting even listening to sometimes our kids pray. Sometimes they pray better than us. 
Because they just pray with like blanket, blind faith, right? It's just nothing is impossible for them because they're not cynical yet. Uh, <laughs> but I find it funny, and, and, and there's evidence of this if you'll just pause and think. Often when we pray, we're actually using words that, that do suggest, God, you need to adapt your way of doing things to the way I see it. Now, I want to say, say this to you. That is not necessarily sin, but it inevitably will become sin. What I'm trying to say is there's a lot of room in God's grace for us to figure things out. Because when we seek him, the Bible says, with all our hearts, we diligently search for him, we will find him. And there's a lot of grace and a lot of room in his grace for that scenario. So I, I don't want you to be alarmed and think, I should just stop praying because I can't seem to pray in agreement with God. Listen, the beautiful thing about the three filters we're talking about today is that as you begin to practice the three filters and you begin to become a better prayer, what you're going to find is it's a lot easier to come into agreement with the one who knows you best. This is a process. It's a process. To seek the kingdom of God first, Jesus said, so that the rest of the things could be added to us. And this is about coming into agreement. Matthew 6, 33 in the Amplified says it this way. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness. His way of doing and being right. The attitude and the character of God. And then all these things will be given to you also. See, when I seek his kingdom first, I'm coming in agreement with him because there's one thing that God can agree with us on, and that's what he wants for our lives, being the best. God has no problem agreeing with what's best for our lives because he knows what's best for us. God has no problem agreeing with you about the giftings of your life. Why? Because God gave you those gifts. God has, God has no issue being in agreement with us as long as we come in agreement with him. It's just that simple. And if you want to, you could, I suppose, call this a spiritual law. It's like gravity. It's like lift. It is an unstoppable force. When we agree with his will, even though we don't necessarily know his will, when we agree with his will, even though we don't necessarily know his will, it makes room for our alignment to and then our assignment within his will to come to pass. Now, this can be played out in any family represented in this church this morning. Any family. You, you, can, you can literally play this out today with your kids and prove it true. Right? Um, how many times have you had to train and teach and trust your children knowing that they were going to get it and they were going to see it the right way in the end. I've seen it with all four of my children over and over and over and over and over and over again. And now that I'm older, I recognize when my parents were training it in over and over and over and over and over again. You see, we may not always understand this, but here, here's our issue. We think that agreement means total understanding. And that is not the case. 
In fact, I will venture to say 95% of the things you agree with in this life, you actually have never taken the time to truly understand. <laughs> yeah, right? Christine preaches the truth right there. She testified. How many of you actually read the terms? Or do you all just scroll down and check the box? Right. How many of you know what is in Tylenol Extra Strength? Right? I, I, I don't have it memorized, but I actually read the bottles. I actually read the ingredients on these kinds of things. But uh, apparently I'm one of the few uh, who, who has opinions like that. But, you know, we don't need to understand to agree. How does that work in a marriage? Well, it happens all the time. Amy would kill me with questions if she truly had to come to understanding of everything before she comes into agreement with me. And there was a time early in our marriage where that was the fight all the time. She wore me so thin. Oh, Jesus, help me. To this day, I probably lost a good part of my hair and gained a good part of my weight dealing with my wife's precocious nature. Because she always had questions. Well, why do I need to know how to change a tire? Well, because it could go flat. Now, she does know how to change a tire. Well, but, but now here's, here's the trick, girls. Some of y'all just need to know how to ask nice, and then you'll never have to change a tire. I suppose that is fair. But see, she didn't, she didn't understand the mechanics of anything. She doesn't understand the mechanics of brake systems in the vehicle, but she has to come into agreement with me because I'm the guy who understands the brakes and fixes the brakes and pays for the brakes to be fixed. I know, it's raw. Right? Agreement is not understanding. So I want you to understand this morning, church, you can come into agreement with our Heavenly Father even though you don't understand anything. It's faith. It's faith. Okay, I choose to believe that my Father in Heaven knows what He needs to know about my situation. Therefore, I am going to come into agreement with Him for what He says is best. It's as simple as that. But if you don't put your prayer through that filter... I promise you, you're going to be frustrated because it doesn't work to come to him in disagreement. Uh, Amos 3.3, 3, uh, just a quick reference to two people walk together unless they have agreed to meet. Well, no, that's actually pretty impossible, right? Um, you, you have to have a destination or a concept or something in common to be in agreement with someone. And the same is true. If it's true in a human relationship, it's still going to be true in the supernatural, eternal relationship we have with God. Amos 3, by the way, just for context, is an entire chapter really about cause and effect. If you read it, and you should read it, um, you're going to find that's what it's about. It's about things happening because of something happening. And for our purposes today, that context works. There, there must be a certain level of agreement for two people to walk together, and there must be a certain level of agreement for you to approach your Heavenly Father. There needs to be a certain level of agreement for conversation to happen. There needs to be agreement for requests to be heard. There needs to be agreement for a relationship to happen. Amy doesn't always know my will. But now, after marriage for 20 years and really most of our life in relationship before that, literally, We've known each other since we were like two, if you can even really know someone at two. But, but guess what? She correctly assumes many things about my opinion 
my nature, my character, my will, my response. She, she's, got, she's got me figured out at this point. And this is the beauty of learning to come in agreement with someone else. The more you come into agreement, the more your relationship will begin to grow and develop. And as it grows and develops, you begin to have a deeper understanding of what the response will be. And so many people who want to follow Jesus, they hit this wall because they don't understand. I need to come in agreement, but I think I need to understand first. Man, what a bunch of frustrated people we become trying to pray. Um, by the way, my understanding of her has changed just as much. When we got married, we chose to come into agreement and do life together, right? So we've been doing that for over 20 years now. Been, been, been choosing to be in agreement even when we disagree. Even when it's not aligned or understood the way we want it. But guess what happens in the, in the process of time? I can assume very correctly what she wants, doesn't want, what she likes, what she doesn't like, what will make her happy, what will make her sad. When I say, hey, kids, it's probably time to make sure the dishwasher is both emptied and reloaded before your mom gets home. And they're just like, what? <laughs> it's like the first time they heard the gospel. What do you mean, father? Guys, I know your mom. Trust me. Agreement and understanding are not the same thing. Come into agreement. The natural thing that happens when you learn to come in agreement is alignment follows. Always. It's, it's, it's going to be a rule, and you're going to see it repeated everywhere in your faith journey. So we have first agreement, filter number two. When we pray, alignment. Now, they are different things, agreement and alignment, because alignment actually is where the process of understanding really begins to take its form and shape. Why? Because alignment is corrective. A, a, alignment is somewhat prohibitive at times. Alignment is something that has a great deal of influence on where you end up farther down the road. Alignment is not something that always feels good. I remember when I was in my college years, I actually had a hip problem across my both hips in my lower back, and I actually needed help to get dressed some days. That's how, that's how in pain I was all the time. I lived for years in, in just about constant pain, and I would get better, and I'd have a good few weeks, and then I'd be totally crippled again. Um, and I remember going through all the processes of that, but I do remember one time specifically, I had to go see, a, I went to see a chiropractor, maybe out of desperation, if nothing else. And I know there are great chiropractors, and I've had great chiropractic experiences since then, but I'll tell you what, this dude was about six foot six, probably 350 pounds, and I was 20 years old, 19 years old, fit, all those kind of things. But guess what? He crushed me. He made my body make noises I didn't know it could make. Creaking and groaning and popping and separating and snapping. I mean, I had no idea joints could move the way they moved. Sometimes alignment is corrective. 
and we don't enjoy it, it doesn't feel good. But if we choose to put ourselves in a place where we come with the will to be held in alignment all the time, it creates this wonderful uh, effect in our lives, which I would maybe just call flexibility and freedom of motion, right? Our, our physical bodies, once they are aligned properly and are maintained properly, we don't have very much pain in our movement at all. In fact, we begin to build strength and we begin to grow. We begin to feel healthy. We begin to, uh, we begin to move all the chemicals and fluids around our bodies. Why? Because we're active and we're able to be so because we've been correctly aligned. And it's a filter that we should actually pray through. So, God, I'm coming to you in agreement today for whatever you think is best. But I want you to answer my prayer in the guidelines I think it should be answered. And God says, well, no, that's not going to work for me because you're not made to bend that way. And from time to time, you and I will smash ourselves down on that table and we will insist to God, we might even have a temper tantrum with him, insisting that we are in alignment with something that we think is aligned with him. But the truth is, we're not. The truth is that we need a correction, a course correction. And you know, you think about this, uh, if you will, for a moment, in the idea of a compass 360 degrees, a degree is nothing, but a degree is also everything. Because if you start from a fixed point in the middle, and I go straight north at zero degrees, but my wife goes north by northeast at three degrees, you know, for the first little while, you're going to think that we are in alignment with each other, that we are walking together, that we are moving together. But through the process of time and distance, what are you going to begin to notice? Because she's walking two or three degrees differently than I am. As time goes on, where does she end up? Where do I end up? Well, we end up really separated. And the longer you leave that without an alignment, without a course correction, the farther you get from being aligned. And this happens to many people who are diligently and honestly trying to follow Jesus. But they don't want to come through that filter of being aligned in their prayer life. And so you think, man, well, Jesus is walking right beside me, and I'm walking with him, and it's all good, but you're two degrees off of what he wants to do. And a few years down the road, you realize, man, I, I am definitely not where I'm supposed to be. Alignment with his will. Alignment with his purposes. Alignment with his plans. It is everything. This is this idea is patterned in scriptures like Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 says in the NASB, He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Well, I'm willing to be humble, but I'm not willing to be kind. Just for the record, if you're not willing to be kind, you're incapable of being humble. True story. You show me a person who has true humility but cannot be kind or is not kind. I will show you a person that doesn't exist. This doesn't happen. You can't have humility in your life without kindness because humility gives birth to kindness. See, the, the, fruits, the fruits of the Spirit even follow after humility. Everything Jesus does in our life 
follows after humility. Oh my gosh, let me just let me just drop this reality on you. Your prayer life gets better the more humble you become. Why? Because you're easier to be agreeable, you're easier to be aligned. You're not trying to go your own way anymore. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Alignment. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Why? Because when I'm, a del- when I'm aligned in the way of the Lord, there is joy in every situation. There is, there is the, the ability for me to see my purpose in every situation. There's an understanding in the process of time and trusting him that begins to fill me and give me a holy confidence for what it is that he wants to do. Because I'm aligned with him. Proverbs 69, the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And it's funny to me that we think that we're going to pray God into our way of thinking. God's still sitting there chuckling at us. By the way, some of you think that God is mad at you, and my personal experience would be that God spends a lot more time laughing at me than he does being angry at me. Because he's got me. He's, he's got me figured out and understood. And even though I rail against some of the things he wants to do in my life, he can laugh about it because he sees where the end is. And there's times when I laugh at my kids too. They'll figure it out. I hope. And if they don't, their wife will make them. I hope. Alignment. It might help to remember that when we talk about the kingdom of God, this is what we're talking about. We are talking about the place where the rule and reign of Jesus is established. That's the kingdom of God. Right? When Jesus said, uh, you know, everybody's, the kingdom is here, the kingdom is there, but surely I say to you, the kingdom of heaven is among you. What Jesus was talking about was every heart, every place, every mind, every person yielded to the rule and to the reign, to the lordship of Jesus. That is the kingdom of heaven. And this world is full of seven and a half billion kingdoms. They're all bumping into each other trying to figure out who the top dog is going to be. Except those kingdoms that are under his lordship. Aligned with him. If it's his kingdom, he must bring each of us our gifts, our capabilities. I'll even go as far as to say our hopes, our dreams, our anticipations. If it's his kingdom, then he must bring us into alignment with his will. Because rulership works no other way. Lordship doesn't work any other way. Now there is a tremendous amount of room, of course, for free will still and and decisions and choices. And all those things are still in front of us. But understand that in the kingdom of heaven, ultimately what it comes down to is our alignment with him. It's kind of like, I suppose, uh, maybe I can use the example of a highway. The kingdom of heaven is like the lanes that are painted on the highway. And, you know, you are totally free to drive in the oncoming lane as long as you want to. 
But in, in all eventuality and really inevitably, eventually that's going to go really badly for you. you know, God doesn't need to force you into anything. What he's waiting for is for you to yield your will. To come in agreement, to come in alignment with what his heart is for your world and the world around you. To pray his thoughts, to pray his heart, to pray his will. So that he can not only answer your prayer, but build one of the most amazing trust relationships you will ever know. Every day with Jesus is another day to rebend my will. To work on that spiritual flexibility so that I can stay aligned with him. Alignment must happen because the carnal nature, the Bible says, constantly wars against the spirit man. Constantly. There is a force inside of me called the old man, old Travis. And that carnal nature constantly strives against everything the Spirit of God has woken up and brought to life in me. The problem is, is in a lot of the things we do, we actually make provision for that carnal nature. We actually strengthen it by the things we think about, the things we read, the things we let influence our lives, the way we choose to remain unaligned and in disagreement with the Father. And see, that bolsters the carnal man. And strengthens him to make war against the spirit man that God, that Jesus has brought to life in each one of us. But that's why alignment is a process, not a one and done. Because we had to take up our cross and we followed Jesus. We daily crucified the flesh. It's a metaphor so you can breathe, some of you. It will do you no good to literally crucify your flesh. It will just hurt you. I, if you want to overcome your flesh, let me just drop this timeless truth on you. Stop making provision for it. See, that's, that's what fasting does specifically. Since we're, since we're in the stream of prayer, let's just throw fasting into this conversation for a moment. Fasting literally deprovisions the carnal nature. I'm hungry. Now I'm hangry, says your carnal man. And the spirit man in you needs to say, well, good. Get back in your place. You'll be perfected one day. For now, just shut your mouth mind your business. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's how you crucify your flesh. Right? Alignment, bringing it into alignment with Jesus. Come on. It has to happen. Alignment is Jesus reminding us that we shouldn't worry about tomorrow. By the way, the cure for anxiety in our world. Matthew chapter 6. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. Jesus teaches us how to pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And we live in a world that is what? That is dealing with more anxiety than we know has ever happened in the history of mankind before. How unaligned are we? How out of agreement are we as human beings with the one who made us? The result is anxiety. He 
also teaches us on being aligned with God's timing and provision. Stop bowing to anxiety. Can I just really mess you up this morning? Some of you who struggle with anxiety, let me ask you this question. What if anxiety for you is sin? Because it's just a constant unyielding and unwillingness to align yourself with what Jesus says. Now, I know that might throw you into a tailspin. But, but let, me, let me remind you, let me love on you with this. Alignment is a process. You are being changed from glory to glory. You are being moved from a habitual life in carnal things to a practice life focused in heavenly things. And I don't want to try to rush you into it, but, but if you can hear those words this morning, then when Jesus says, stop struggling with anxiety, it's an alignment issue. So take the meds if you need to take the meds. It's right to get the doctor to help you, but it will be more productive for you to bend your will to Jesus. And I know because I know. Because I've walked that road. Redemption is a process. Alignment is a process. You shouldn't be ashamed of wherever you are in the process. Just be in the process. We do well to remain flexible so that we don't need that snap and crack chiropractic adjustment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then we come to the last filter assignment. We have agreement. We have Alignment, and we have assignment. An assignment is the part we live, that we actually do life in. So when we're in agreement and when we're aligned, we come to the place where we can be used by God in ways that were formerly impossible for us. Now, anybody can be used by God, but that's nothing to brag about. I mean, God used a stick with Moses, and God used an ass with Balaam. And so which one of the two are you and I? It's not that we get value from being able to be used by God. That's a given. Pastor Amy shared in our group chat this morning just before the service started. She reminded the team, listen, your position is not your identity. And I want to tell you this morning, church, your struggle is not your identity. Where you're at today in your prayer life, that's not your identity. What you're dealing with, your brokenness, your hurt, your pain, even your victories, God help us, our victories are not our identity. My identity is found in who he says I am. So when I come to God understanding my identity, guess what? I'm already coming in agreement with him. 
because I understand that he's the one who determines my identity. I'm coming already in alignment with him, and this is the, the best and maybe the most beautiful, when I understand those two things, and I want to come for my assignment now, knowing that my assignment even is not my identity in Jesus, but rather it's the outworking of the identity he put in me. Because he predestined me for good works beforehand. And he predestined you for good works beforehand so that you would walk in them. What is it that God put you here for? What is it that God put you here for? need to pray about it? I'll give you a minute. In fact, why doesn't the worship team come back up? Why did God put you here? What's your purpose? I don't mean just in this church this morning. But I mean in life. What did he put you here for? See, God did not put you here just to exist. God has created nothing just so that it would exist. I don't, I don't know if you've ever tried to compute this before, but in all that we can observe in all of creation, you show me one thing that God just seemingly put there just so it would exist. It doesn't happen. Everything that God has created serves a purpose, and it has a place that it fits, and it has a role, and it has even a responsibility for the part that's connected to it. And you can go right down to the smallest microorganism that you have to use a microscope to see, to the moon, or the stars, and how they affect the things that happen in this world. Secular philosophers would call this something like the butterfly effect. Everything matters. And a butterfly flapping its wings on the other side of the world, that ripple will somehow make it over and somehow affect something over here. Guys, it's not an accident. It's actually God's design. Because he creates everything he creates with a purpose. And he created you with a purpose. So what is it? What are you here for? What are your kids here for? You're retired. What are you here for now? Did you think retirement was the end? It's not the end. The most productive years of human beings' lives are in their 60s, their 70s, and their 80s. True story. What's your purpose? What's your assignment? Do you even have a clue what your assignment is? Some of you have crappy answers. Crappy, crappy answers. And some of you know, because you understood the assignment. 
I want to tell you this morning, church, you don't have to leave this place this morning with a question mark over the assignment for your life. Because right now in the next five minutes, you can actually receive these three filters and you can put your next prayer through these three filters by an act of your will and you can begin to hear from God in a new way that you've maybe never heard from Him before. It's that simple. It literally was that simple. When Jesus taught them how to pray, when you get past the infantile understanding that somehow our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, when you understand that's not a spell, that's not a magical uh, set of words, but rather it is a prayer that brings us into agreement and it brings us into alignment with him. It points us in the direction that his grace and his favor want to lead us telling you, you can know today. And you might not get to know the purposes for everything. You might not get to know what your assignment is going to be for three years from now, but I can tell you one thing. You can understand right now today your assignment in this moment, in this place, just like that. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that my God will supply for all your need according to his glorious riches. Oh, pastor, that's just talking about money. Get No way. If it was just about money, he said, and my God will supply for your financial need according to his riches and glory. That's not what it says. All your need. And if you need a purpose, if you need an assignment in this life, there's one here for you today. He's got it. He's got you. He's got this. The question is, are you going to cram all of your frustration, all of your questions, all of your hurts, all of your victories through the three filters that Jesus suggests we put them through? I, th I find it weird. Sometimes it's like, it's like we, we, we pray God's will as if it makes us more spiritual. And it's actually a false humility to say, well, Lord, I'm just, I'm praying your will. Well, what's his will? What is it for you? Stop settling for no answers when all you needed to do was wait a moment longer for the Spirit of God to speak it into your life. Stop pretending like God's not speaking to you when the truth might be you just don't really want to hear what he has to say. Come on, you can receive identity. You can receive purpose. You can receive passion in your life. I don't want to be the guy who knows the will of God for you. you to become the men and women who know God's heart for you. See, because when you start to grasp on, you grab on to his heart and you get a little bit of that identity going in you and you get his shed blood running through your veins, something will begin to change in you. Something's going to change in you. In John 17, the whole chapter is a prayer that Jesus offers. 
for his people. I'm not going to read the whole chapter for you, but you would do well to go and read John 17 all week long. Do yourself a favor and listen to what the pastor says today. Go and read John 17 this week over and over and over again until the Holy Spirit causes it to burst out in your life. But here's an excerpt I want to share with you as we close today. Jesus praying, he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I love and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. Did you hear that? The glory, Jesus says, Father, that you have given to me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected, that they may be perfect. No, no, no. It says that they may be perfected in unity. Why? Because it's a process. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. So that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Now remember, as Jesus is praying this prayer. Father, you loved me, Jesus, before the foundation of this world. And his prayer is inviting you and I to be one with him. I need you to hear this this morning, church. Jesus is praying that you will understand how much the Father loved you before the foundation of the earth. Because you are one in Him, and you are one in and with the Father. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known so that the love with which you love me may be in them and that I may be in them. If you want to learn how to pray, look at how Jesus prayed. Because Jesus demonstrates every time he talks to the Heavenly Father, every single time he comes to his Father in heaven in agreement, and he comes to his Father in heaven with alignment, and he comes to his Father in heaven for your and my sake in his assignment in this world. And if the church would just rise up and begin to pray with that understanding and begin to live life with that understanding, would begin to be married with that understanding, would begin to raise children with that understanding, young people, if you would begin to date with the understanding of how Jesus is praying for you, It'll go so much better for all of us. I'm telling you, meditate on this prayer this week. Meditate on it. Meditate. John 17. John 17. John 17. Pray his prayer over yourself. Pray his prayer over your children. Pray his prayer over your employer and your employees. Pray his prayers over everything you're putting your hand to. Pray his prayer over our nation and over our government.
And if nothing else, please, 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 for the love, for the sake of Jesus, ask yourself as you pray today, am I in agreement with God? Am I aligned with his purpose? And am I praying on assignments? Let's stand. We're going to sing one last song just like we always do here at Generations Church. And we do that not to try and manipulate someone's emotions, but just to give you a moment of pause so that in his presence you can maybe stop and reflect. Because you can just... Just hit pause on the busyness of life. Forget about everything. As the old song says, turn your eyes right now onto Jesus and let everything around you grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace, his presence that's here this morning. You let me pray for you. And then you make a decision on what your next step should be. So you agree with me if you can this morning. Father, we come, Lord, in the ability this morning that you have given us to walk in agreement with you. And Lord, we're so thankful for the cross. We're so thankful for what you've done in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we have become a habitation for the spirit of the living God. But Lord Jesus, today we need your help to come in agreement with you because the way we see the world and the way you see the world are so far apart sometimes. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now for every person in this room, for every person who might be watching online today, God, that you would, Holy Spirit, in this moment, bring us into agreement with you, Father. You are God in heaven, and we are mortals on earth. Our life is but a vapor, but Lord, you are eternal, so we come in agreement with you and to you, Father. Holy Spirit, I then ask for each one of us that in your compassion, in your love, and in your grace for us, that you would right now come and begin to align our thinking, align our steps, align our process, Lord, with your heart for us. Lord, that in your presence this morning, our, our, our thinking would begin to shift. Shift our thinking, Lord. And Father, for those who don't understand purpose, who don't understand assignment this morning, Lord, I pray right now that in the name of Jesus, by your authority, Lord, as we are asking, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that identity, that purpose, that assignment would begin to rain down in this room like it never has before. Father, that hearts would open right now, that they would quicken to the powerful and authoritative and mighty name of Jesus, and that purpose and identity would begin to flow into every broken heart, into every empty place, Lord, into every hurt, into every need, Lord. Jesus, we pray. We pray. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.